that, Brother Morgan, why don't you come? And such a blessing to have you back with us at Mount Zion and and uh, share with us whatever you believe the Lord is, would have us to know, all right? Appreciate you, brother. You forgive me, I'm doing a battle with this microphone. Okay, I think that's all right. Well, I thank you for the opportunity to be with you, as I've said. I want to thank you for the uh, provision of the apartment. It's really a blessing, and it's nice and comfortable, and I'm, I'm so thankful for folks who are trying to help in this way, and it helps us a lot. We just want to thank you for that. There's something else that I, I want to thank you for, and this morning I was standing somewhere looking out the window. I think it was right over there, and I saw a man. He had on a backpack and hat. He was walking down the road, and uh, he was confused, looked like he was lost. And uh, I was thinking, he was so close to the gospel, so close to the truth. And then he stopped, and I saw one of the folks that was coming to church here. They stopped and talked to him, and they looked like they gave him a track. And I don't know who that was or who did that, but I just want to tell you what a blessing you are, that you care. That's what it's about. Amen? Amen? Yes. That man needs the Lord, or maybe he needs the Lord, maybe he doesn't know, and uh, I was concerned, and it was just a blessing to see somebody also concerned enough to stop and ask him and to share with him the gospel. Those of you that may not know, I'm Larry Morgan, and my wife is Linda down here, and uh, we have been married for 53 years. It's all—it's always dangerous to get into dates with me. I—I, I, uh, she knows Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln's shoe size, but I can't remember all those things. But uh, we have been working West Africa as pastor has told you now. 32 years has been our mission field, and uh, we were first 10 years in Nigeria, and now we have been 22 years, uh, about to finish 22 years in Ghana. The work has been a challenge in many ways. The first 10 years, we were sick almost all of the time, and it was a challenge physically. Uh, if we had time to go into the many different stories about the things we faced the first three or four years that we were in Nigeria, you would understand what I mean. And uh, that first work, you saw pictures of it tonight, and, uh, the, and you also can tell that I'm not much of a camera person. So uh, we're doing better now with these cell phones that take pictures, but, but uh, in those early years, I didn't do very good and uh, a very good job. But they... We would start the work, and that first work we started, and we had to start it over three different times. And it was because of evil men coming with greed and covetousness. And in Nigeria, everywhere you look, there are, they are starting some kind of church, hoping to get money. They use churches like a lottery system. The pastors will go out in the midst of the congregation and give away car on Sunday morning or 
give away money or something. They do it to get people to come and to stay. And uh, those massive charismatic type churches, they will have 8,000 or more people there on Sunday mornings and things of that nature. And it's a, it's a constant battle because all of these young men see uh, what they have gained, what these others have gained, and they're trying to get it that way. And so we had to start that first work over three different times, move it to three different locations, and there were a lot of challenges. In every case that we have started, God has worked and given the increase. You saw one church there the, the, where you saw the men leading the singing, that's in Ghana. And, uh, but I want to tell you that after we organized that work and they called a national pastor, the national pastor turned on us. He was a wolf, a Matthew 7 wolf, and he turned on us, and that church is no more. He killed the whole thing. They, we were averaging over 300 people on Sunday mornings, and God, we were having folks make professions almost every service, including Wednesday nights, and uh, these men are evil. Out of the 22 years that we have been in Ghana, we've been in court more than 17 years with people trying to attack and take things, and right now we're in court still and it's because they are attacking, trying to take the mission property and the schools and all of those things away. It's just greed. It's just selfishness and greed and covetousness. And uh, I just want you to know those things because I want you to understand the battles. The battle is there. When you read the book of Acts, what do you find in every chapter? You find that guys were in trouble somewhere People were after them, and it was always because of the gospel. The devil hates the gospel. Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, seeking, going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. My wife is mouthing. She's telling me I missed it. So it's okay, but you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some people have the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit and the one that's not quite so holy down here. <laughs> and I would, listen, I need her, and I'm thankful for that. She helps try to keep me straight. But uh, we're just constantly facing battles, and part of it is the radio ministry because the gospel goes out to much of the country of Ghana through the different radio stations, and we're thankful. We don't know. I can't tell you how many people listen, but I will tell you that the gospel is there if they want to hear it, and we're, we're doing that. And I, right now, we, uh, the, the ministries that we have in, in Ghana continue. We have the church, the mission church that we started after they killed the other one. We started a new mission church. I was, uh, I don't know what age, 60? 65 when I started the last one and uh, but uh, we started the new mission church and God has blessed that church and we're seeing professions God has given us the school the school is there and when they, they closed the school last year we had 340 students and we had different religions Islamic students they come when they come we tell them this is a, a Bible based Baptist school and uh, the Islamic parents, uh, they bring their children because 
of the English language. They want them to learn the English language. And they have no clue. Uh, they, they don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've heard about Halimatu. But we, some of the most precious things, stories we could tell you about how the gospel is used by God in the chapel services and in the classrooms where they have Bible every morning. First, first uh, uh, session is Bible. Holly is from an Islamic family. They've never been a Christian, according to her, that she knows of in the family. But her family brought her to us, and she was with us for several years. They have taken her now because they were trying to force her uh, involvement in Islam, in the Islamic religion more, and she made a statement that she doesn't believe in it, she believes in Christ. And they have taken her and moved her away from us into a village up in the north. We're very concerned about her. I talked to her on the phone for just a short time. I'm very concerned about her because uh, she is of the age where her father could sell her. Uh, they could even kill her because of her stand for her faith. And, uh, but they bring these children to us. And I want to tell you, church, that slavery is alive and well in Ghana and in Africa. They, there are sections of, of uh, there are sections of the uh, different countries where they still eat people. Uh, these things are not gone. They're, they sell the children. All of these things are taking place right now. So don't don't let them convince you that it's not taking place. And the Islam, they bring their children to us. We don't have a lot of them, but we have some. And we tell the parents, in order for them to put their child in our school, they have to come to preaching service. We require it. They have to come to the service that we have for the parents. If they don't come, they can't put their children in our school. We require we expect them to come. And so they come. Now they don't, they try not to listen, but we're not trusting in whether they listen or not. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to do his work in the gospel. All of these reasons, uh, all of these things combined are why we're constantly under attack. Uh, Ghana is open now internationally the, the international airport is open right now but uh, the the land and sea borders are closed uh, back in July whenever churches began to open up and start having services again Ghana was still closed so we decided that we would let the churches know that we would be glad to come if they wanted us to come so I uh, began to receive phone calls and pastors asking us to come and tell about the work and things of that nature and I began to book the missions conferences and things of that nature and I did that without Ghana being open I didn't know when they would open so we are booked until the end of next month uh, end of February and our plan is to return to Ghana in March 
at this time, the ministries are continuing. Uh, even though we're not there, I am able to do the radio broadcast from here. And uh, my, the young man, you saw him, the young men there, there on the screen, they are handling the court case the best they can right now until I get back. Uh, we continue, we have text ministry, we use text messages on the phones with all of the phones that we have registered. We have one-on-one -on -one discipleship going on. We have an app called WhatsApp, and we do a WhatsApp ministry with all of those that we have that are registered in that. The school has started back. Uh, it, has, it is doing well as far as just starting. There are many uh, problems. We've already had the military there going around telling us we don't have a room where we can separate those who, who seem to be ill and things of that nature. They're constantly looking. The government has said they're going to shut down any school that does not comply with the regulations and we're trying to do everything we can. Uh, it is our, it is my plan. I will not uh, give in to government regulations to the point that they make us a government school. I have taken a stand. They have come to us and tried to inoculate our children for measles. And some of you, I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I, I'm not trying to decide which child takes the inoculation, but I believe it's a parent's responsibility. And the government comes and they bring the, the vaccine in a container, it looks like a cooler, but it has no ice in it or no cooling agent in it. And uh, the, it is supposed to be maintained at a certain temperature. So I asked them to leave the compound very gently, kindly, but forcefully. And uh, the man that was leading that thing said he believed that the children belonged to the government and that the parents are only taking care of them for the government. So this is what we're facing, but I'm, I'm not going to succumb to that and I don't, I'm gonna stand against it. There, we've been through a lot of things in Ghana we didn't expect. Uh, we've been arrested, I've been arrested, I've been fingerprinted, uh, we've been accused of being, uh, what do you, uh, child traffickers, we've, they've, it took me about nine months to get through that or more, back and forth to the capital city, we were, these charges were filed by people who were trying to take over, like I told you, this, uh, this national pastor, he was the head of it, and I had to face seven different ministries in Ghana. Ministry, I don't mean church ministers. These are government ministers, government ministries. And I had to go and they would interrogate me and uh, call me <laughs> the immigration. They, one young immigration agent was here and another officer was here and another one was there. And they're all shouting and hollering and calling me names and everything and that. And the Holy Spirit was here. Amen. But I, I tell you these things because I want you to understand that when, when we go to Matthew 28, and you've heard many sermons on that verse, 
on that passage, the commission of the church. Many times, because we've heard it so much, we forget about what it's about. The first thing that Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 was, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me. Now, if I didn't have anything else, what would I say? Why am I going to need all power? I'm going to need all power because of the enemy. Satan hates it. And you know that many Christians today will not face Satan openly. You're not going to face demon-possessed people. We have done that. I've had them come into the service screaming and shouting. Uh, on, I was walking down the street one day, and uh, uh, there is a man named John, and he follows me everywhere. He used to come to the services. He used to send us Christmas cards every Christmas. People tell me he can speak 11 languages, but he's lost his mind. And he was walking down the street over here, and I'm on this side of the road, and he's shouting at me right in the middle of the town. Okay, Morgan, we know you, want, you tell us the Bible is true. You tell us Jesus is the Savior. Okay, we got it. Go home. That's what he was shouting. Demon possession. You may not face those kind of things, but you need to understand that Satan is real. He deals with us through the heart. He attacks us through disappointment and discouragement and fear. The Bible says without faith we can't please the Lord. But fear and faith cannot walk hand in hand. Go into all the world and teach the gospel. It's all about Jesus. We sang it tonight. Jesus is the power. Jesus is the answer. The gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus Christ. And that's what the ministry. Go into all the world. All the world includes St. Clair. You see... And I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for you. You've been such a blessing today. And just the opportunity to, to hear the questions that you ask and to see the joy in your heart and the peace that we witness here is a, such a blessing. We love your pastor and his wife and family and uh, it's an encouragement to us. But I challenge you tonight to understand what it means when Jesus says, Go. What is involved? The challenges are going to come. The COVID is going to come. It's a test. This is God's test for Christianity in America. And we're failing. We're failing. I have told you, Pastor Thomas and the family, uh, you, you send us into a mission field. We go to a culture that we don't know. We go to a place where the, we don't know the languages. Nigeria, there are 425 dialects. One village to another is a different language. You, you send us as missionaries into a field. Whatever is there, we are to face. From the very beginning that we went to Nigeria, to West Africa first, 
Tuberculosis has been epidemic. And tuberculosis is airborne. We are to face it. We are to go there. We are to preach. God called me to West Africa. He knew that was there. Now what is the question? The question is, am I going to go or am I going to fear? You can't, you can't deal with them. You can't say, I, I'm, I can't go because I fear. You can't do it. God knows before, he's, before he allows it to come into our presence, he knows what we have to face. The court cases. In the court, I have to sit there in a, on a bench. And those African lawyers call me all types of names. Accuse me of stealing children and all of these things that God knew before I went there. This little Holly, my two, I'm going to tell you. One day I was sitting in the office after school. I... The door is open for the kids. They can come anytime they want to. They come and after school and they'll stick their head around and they want to come and ask questions. <clears throat> and Holly, Holly had already professed to receive Christ after one of the chapel services. And church, I want to tell you that we don't push the children. We present the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel. We don't believe in coercing we don't believe in trying to come up with some kind of gimmick. We believe in the power of the gospel. Amen. Just like the scripture. Amen. And if you ever see it work, you'll never want to try anything else again. It's absolutely incredible. This little Muslim girl listened to the chapel service. And I use Holly as an example. We have all types. We've got Buddhist children. We've got different religions represented all types of Christianity. And uh, she came one day, she brought her little friend. At that time, she was 10 years old. And she said, Pastor, if uh, when, when Jesus comes, will anyone be saved after he comes? And I said, Holly, I thought you were saved. Oh, she said, Pastor, I'm saved. And I asked her, and she can tell you. I said, well, what is it? She said, I'm thinking about my mommy and daddy. We go into all the world. Is the tuberculosis supposed to stop us? Is the COVID supposed to stop us? Who is our God? Amen. The problem today in America is that Christianity, they're not, the God of the Bible is, is not the God of most people who call themselves Christians. Today, Christians have designed their own God. He is not the God of the Bible. Listen, the God of the Bible has not changed. I am the Lord and I change not, he says. He is not any different. 
He does not succumb to the styles of the world. He does not say it's okay for us to join the ungodliness of this culture that we are in. No. And church, listen, is it not important? Is it not a very needful time for us to please God? How do we please Him? We sing the song. Uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. But you can't move the rock. You can't pick up the rock and bring it over here where you want it to be. We've got to go to the rock. The character of God demands standards. But our Christian culture has succumbed to the standards of the world because we like it. There are things that I like that I don't involve myself in because I know it doesn't please him. What about you? Isn't pleasing God important to us? Isn't his being able to work necessary? Have we ever been in a generation when we needed it more? The mission field is about battles. It doesn't matter what mission field it is. The battles will be different. The types of challenges will be different. But they're going to be there. And the reason is because we have an enemy. And that enemy hates God and he hates everything that is about God. And he, because we're trying to walk with him, he hates us. And yet today... All over our country, people are running scared and they're afraid. Is that your God? Did Jesus not say, all power is given unto me? That's supposed to be sufficient for the missionary to go to a foreign field and to face whatever they have to face. But is it not sufficient for us here? Battles. It's about eternity. It's about forever. The devil will whisper in my heart, oh, listen, it's like pastor preached this morning. Every one of us can succumb to the sin. We've got to be careful. This old flesh is weak. He whisper in your ear, in my ear, he said, you know, you're old enough to retire. You could fish all the time. And then I get to thinking that maybe there's another Halimatu out there. Maybe there's another Rita that sang the song. That day in the office, she started singing, I have been blessed. She tore my heart out. She didn't know that I would use the song. She had no idea. Isn't one of the ways that the devil gets us is that we just take things for granted? You have got a treasure here in your church. This is a treasure. And if you travel around, it's very hard to find anything that's even comparable.
You've got it. But if you're not careful, the devil will rob you. He will steal that appreciation. He will take away that gratitude. He will cause you to become hard and calloused. You'll just come to church. You won't be coming to, to get something from God. You won't be coming to worship to give. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. I was preaching Somerville, Missouri. Brother Chester Webster was pastor. He's a friend. I just preached for him not too long ago. And uh, we, we arrived early in the parking lot one day uh, for the service. And we saw a pickup coming down the road. And boy, I mean, the, the lady was driving and she was doing this. And you could see her. Boy, that, her husband was in trouble. And they happened to be coming to church and they pulled up in the parking lot not very far from us. And they got out of the pickup and everything was different. Everything was okay. How do you come to church, folks? Now, I'm not beating on you. I'm trying to be a blessing to you. This is what God laid on my heart to preach to you. And I haven't even got to the message yet. <laughs> Do you understand that Satan hates that person that lives near you or the person you work with? Satan hates the work. Do you, Satan is no different than us. Listen, I have children. You come and try to take my children and I'm going to fight you. Don't you think Satan's doing the same thing? Yeah. We're attacking his front door. We're going after his children. The Bible says if you're not born again this evening, you're one of Satan's children. Jesus said to the, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. We are attacking that home. We're attacking, attacking Satan's family. And he's protecting them. He, he fights us. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I challenge you tonight. The, the work in Ghana is about just presenting the gospel. I'm going to say something to you and I don't want you to be offended. The work in Ghana is not about African people. No. It's not about the individuals. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about the orders that I have received. The orders are go. The orders are present the gospel. I love the work. I love the opportunities. I love what I see when God is working. We have started over. God is blessed. He allows the battles to come. We lose that. We start over. We, we'll do it. Why? Because of the, the orders that God has given us. This is what God wants for our life. What about you? Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please?
I'm going to finish it up here shortly. First Corinthians chapter 15, we have, there are so many messages in First Corinthians 15, but verse 51 and following, we see that, uh, let's just read it, please. Behold, I show you a mystery. Verse 51. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now before I finish this, listen. As long as you fear death, you're not going to have a victorious Christian life. As long as you're worried about it, means you don't believe the scripture. You hear what I said? The victory is in Christ. If you're truly born again, why are you worried about going to heaven? Why are you worried about a place where there's no sickness or death? No more troubles or trials or battles. It's flesh. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh worries. Our flesh... We, we, we haven't come to the place to where we really trust God. What does the Bible say? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Where is our peace? We have peace with God. Where is the peace? We have an opportunity today that God has given us as Christians to testify to the world. I'm saved. I'm secure. I'm sealed in the Holy Spirit. And that gives me peace. Not fear. Not worry. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now look. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there is a responsibility for that victory. First, we have the commission that we see in Matthew 28. We see the coming of Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. And then what? We see the challenge. The command. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. If you were asking the question, what does God expect in reference to being steadfast? First of all, I want to tell you that if you've not been born again, you can't be steadfast in the faith. If you have never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone, you're lost. 
Satan is your father. And hell will be your home. There has to be a time when you come to a place where you recognize through the word of God that you are lost. That the way you are traveling is not the right way. And you repent and turn from that. And you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He's my Savior. He paid for my sin. It's all taken care of. What am I going to worry about? The devil tempts me to worry. Probably he tempts you sometimes. The devil tempts me to be discouraged. The devil tempts me to want to quit. The devil tempts me to want to be worldly. The devil tempts. But God told us he was going to tempt us. Some of you in your life right now, where are you? How can you be steadfast where you are if it's not God's will? I'm not concerned about what people say. I'm concerned about what God says. What does he say? Be steadfast. How can I be steadfast? Only according to this. I have to learn. Study to show yourself approved unto God. I have, to, I have to pray. I have to be faithful. There are things that God has given me to do to be steadfast. Therefore, be my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What's the next one? Unmovable. But wait. What if COVID comes? Unmovable. What if a war comes? You know that's not out of the question. Unmovable. You can't be unmovable if you don't know, if you don't learn, if you're not faithful, if you don't study, if you don't spend time with God. Hey, you don't have to be taught to pray. We don't have a prayer book apart from the Bible. But they're developing them. They've got them. They've got Baptist prayer books out there. No. God is my Father. I don't know if I've said this to you before, but I was adopted. And uh, I never, I am envious and jealous of those of you who had good fathers and had a good home to grow up in. But I was nine years old. The God of heaven reached down and he picked up Larry Morgan. He made me a prince. He's my father. Who else do I depend on? He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. But listen, if we don't trust him, we fail him. Steadfast, unmovable. The flesh says, I'm scared. You say, I've got God as my father. I have nothing to fear but him. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not a vain in the Lord. Listen, we labor. We get on the airplanes and we go. We don't know if we get stuck in this country or that country. We don't know what we're going to face when we get there. We don't know about the sicknesses that may be there. We don't know about all of those things. 
go with the banner held high. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus loves you. This I know. And that's our purpose. And that's our goal. Christians, don't be surprised when you're tempted to fear and worry. But don't let the devil have the victory. No. God is my provider. God is my health. God is my strength. Who else do I need? Over in Africa, there's a lot of this health and wealth preaching. And uh, a lot of these guys claim to be able to heal. And I've challenged them on the radio. I've, I've openly challenged them on the radio. And I say to the people, if God is your father, then why do you need a faith healer? Is that a good question? Church, listen, doctors are good, medicine is good. But if God is your father, don't trust in those things. Use them. They're good. God provided them. But don't trust in them. Stop allowing the devil to have victory in your life by worrying over the challenges that he comes. Listen, I don't believe that the COVID will be the last problem we face. Don't let the victory, the devil, take away your joy. You're such a blessing. You've been such an encouragement to us. Don't allow him to take that away. Stand high with the banner and march with the song. Jesus loves me, this I know. Sing it, believe it. Let's bow our heads. While our heads are bowed this evening, I appreciate so much the encouragement, appreciate the message, not just about the work in Africa, but about the work here, about the work in general, about faith. It is worth thinking about We send missionary families to to very difficult places in the world, expecting them to trust God and take the gospel forward. And yet somehow exempt ourselves from the same kind of faith and obedience. Could we stand together with our heads bowed?